Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast and Radio Show. Coming to you on this Saturday, post my own workout with an episode titled, Why Diets Don't Work Long Term. Anyways, uh, there is certain dieting protocols that work for the short term, but very few work for the long haul. And I'm going to dig into the biggest reasons I've seen why they fail over the past 15 years here working with literally at this point, tens of thousands of people all across the world in multiple countries and obviously in person here. And how we approach food here is how I think most people should approach it. What is a sustainable lifestyle you can have forever? Now, obviously, things are going to ebb and flow and you're going to evolve as you go from 25 to 35 and 35 to 55. There's going to be things you have to change. And if your job changes and if you throw kids into the mix and if your goals in fitness change from aesthetics to strength to performance or whatever you're into, there's going to have to be some leeway with, with how you eat. But you have to learn the foundational skills, regardless of how you eat, the fundamentals are the same. And that's what a lot of people fail to realize, I guess. Like in basketball, there's a lot of great players and the styles are not always the same, right? Like the way LeBron plays is not the same way that Jordan played. The way that Jordan played is not the same way as Magic played. Magic didn't play the same way as Bird. Russell Westbrook doesn't play the same way as James Harden. Yet they're all great basketball players in their own right. Why? Because they have the fundamentals, they have a foundation of skills that they've built on, and then the style, the way that they you know, chopped it, served it, and remixed it makes them great. The way that we eat is the same way. The fundamentals for all of us should be the same, but the styles inside of there depend on our personality type and what works for us. It's also kind of like how I think of boxing, right? Like styles make fights. Like regardless of what you think of Mike Tyson, the style that Mike Tyson fought with is one of the reasons he's so polarizing and he's one of the greatest of all time. Now, obviously, he's a world champion and he won, but the style Mike Tyson fought with is much different than Floyd Mayweather. And I say that because your personality has to match the eating style. Does that make sense? Like if you know you're an overeater by nature, if you know you're better at fasting, if you know like if you get too hangry, you do this. The style at which you eat to fit your lifestyle and your work schedule and your travel schedule and your goals, those all matter. And so a lot of people come in, they say, well, you know, my best friend did insert whatever dieting protocol, keto, paleo, carnivore, uh, carb backloading, you name it. My best friend did it, so I need to do it too. And it might work and there's trial and error there. So you might try what your friend did, but the odds of you both eating exactly the same and getting the exact same result at the exact same time, even if you do the same workouts and you're in the same age range, is probably minimal. Now, it could work, but the odds are probably against you because you probably have some idiosyncrasies in terms of personality type and schedule and travel and what you do that aren't going to match up. That's why I say you know, you have to find what works for you. And so, yeah, some diets work eh, for, for the short term, but for most people they don't work long term. I don't know the numbers and the percentages of, of failed diets and protocols, but you don't have to look any further than like all the eating books that are on Amazon or, you know, pick a place where you want to find how people eat, cookbooks, diet books, you name it. If that if that solved the problem, we would all be super fit and we would have been fit, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but we're not. And so I would say the percentage is very small and there's a very small number of people who start you know, a certain diet that end up actually finishing the diet, getting the desired results they want. And for the very small people who do, I think they find it to be this miserable experience that they were dreading it every single day, counting down the days till the diet was over. And see, that doesn't solve the problem of eating and you being healthy and happy and and moving and looking and feeling your best for life. That's the issue. If you're in a a certain protocol, it's like it's like you're at a job that sucks, right? If you're counting down the hours to go home, that's probably not a sustainable way to live your life. And if it is, it's a miserable job that you're in. You should quit and do something different. It's the same thing with the eating. If you're in a 30-day, you know, the whole 30, right, or whatever you're going to do. Nothing against the whole 30. It's fine. If that's what you're into, but you feel like it's pulling teeth and you're struggling and you dread it and you're just like, okay, 22 days left, you know, 18 days left, 14 days left, that is not going to be a sustainable lifestyle because even if you got results from doing that protocol in those 30 days, what do you do on day 31? What, what are the results going to be on day 61 and 81 and 91? Because 
you're probably not going to keep that going because it was so fucking miserable. You were counting down the days till it was over. And that's one of the biggest reasons why we see people fail is they might be successful in that small 30-day window or 40-day window or insert whatever the timing protocol is. But the reason that they're not successful long-term is that they fail to change their lifestyle habits. They have essentially been putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. And you can't do that. You got to fix the fucking gunshot wound. Like you can't just slap a Band-Aid on it. It's going to bleed. It's going to get infected. And you're probably going to die sooner than later. And yeah, the eating stuff, your results might not go away in a day or two days, but in a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks of all the dieting work you put in and you just went back to your old habits, rituals, and routines and lifestyle, the results are going to go as well. They're just as fleeting. It's not like you can do something for 30 days and all the results stay there. That'd be great if it happened, uh, but it's not the way it works in food. So you have to take the time to build a foundation of skills. And a lot of times when people come into our space and our protocols, we tell them you have to take you know, one step backwards sometimes to take two steps forwards. And you have to think in terms of, you know, eating for a lifetime, not just eating for like this diet time. Does that make sense? We talk about eating for a lifetime, not just eating for this diet time. And the most successful people we see, you know, over the past 15 years are the people who don't just quote unquote diet. They undergo a legitimate lifestyle transformation in the way that they think about food, eat food, prioritize it, and use it, you know, both socially and privately. Um, and the one thing I will say to people, even in our flagship 47-day transformation program, uh, you know, we tell them, don't just worry about 47 days. Worry about the next 147 days, the next 247 days, the next 47 years of your life, for that matter. And take this time, and maybe you don't get as you know, quick results as you wanted in these 47 days. You didn't quote unquote win the transformation. But if you feel healthy and happy, you know, everybody really wins. Even if you didn't get the most drastic results in this small, let's say 47 day time frame, you learned a foundation of skills you can build on forever and you have the knowledge and you have the education and you did the due diligence and you audited yourself to see when you were fucking up and failing and how to correct it and fix it moving forward. So even though those first 47 days were kind of like you with your training wheels on, when we take the training wheels off on day 48 and beyond, then you can crush it. And that's the one thing I ask people is, what are you gonna do on day 48, on day 49, on day 50? You have to have something you can do when you're out on your own in the world. And even if you're with, you're with a coach and you have a goal and accountability and all the amazing things that we suggest, you have to own the skills yourself. And a lot of diets don't do that. It's when people get these printed out pieces of paper. And again, we've done a whole podcast on why I think meal plans suck and, and why the failure rate is almost 100% because they're too specific. Um, and they can't be unique to individuals. And even if they're unique to you and it works for you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when your kid pukes on Friday or your plane gets delayed or you get stuck in traffic or your, your boss is an asshole or something goes wrong and you don't have access to the food or the timing is off, now the whole thing is out of whack. That's why you have to have the foundation of skills and understanding to how you can shift, you know, change gears and kind of roll with the punches and make the best choice available where you're at. And so... I think most people have to lay out a plan that is going to not just change the way that you eat, but, you know, overall change your lifestyle. And that's going to evolve and change as your body does, as you age and as you, again, change jobs or throw kids in the mix, whatever is going on, you have to be willing to adapt and shift. The way that I eat today is not the, the way that I ate 10 years ago. And this might be the way I eat in the next 10 years, but who knows? And even, you know, I've been fasting for over 10 years. It's not like it's been the exact same. When I first started out, it was like 10 to 6, then kind of, you know, 11 to 7, 12 to 8, then I shifted the window. Some days I fast the whole day. Some days I eat once. Some days I eat twice. But that's taken a long time to learn that, and it just changes as my lifestyle changes and the seasons of my life that it's in. And so by making a lifestyle switch and not just being concerned with the short-term results, we're talking long-term results. People want to think this is a sprint, and that's cool, but really it's a marathon. You can you, ha, you can be anxious and you can have a sense of urgency to want to get results quick and that's fine, but do it with a, a level of patience really layered in to understand this is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And by doing that, you're going to increase your success rate, not just for now, but, but for the rest of your life. And I think that's the, the biggest takeaway. And to me, what's the point of losing, you know, 25 pounds, 50 pounds, 75 pounds, 100 pounds, 
just to gain it all back. I, I don't see the point in that. So focusing on building a, if you want to use the word diet, it's fine. Building a diet that is literally sustainable for most of your life, I think is the key. And that, again, comes with you know education, trial and error, having a coach, having a community, and putting yourself in the positions to be successful, which we'll touch on here in the podcast. And honestly, having self-awareness, which is a gift, uh, I think you can learn some of it along the way, especially if you really audit yourself. And we have a sheet, I forget what uh, what program we run, maybe it's our fasting program, where we have a, it's like an audit questionnaire, where we take people through it and we actually ask them, you know, hey, you ate your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, whatever you did, how did you feel? Were you hungry? Uh, were you full? Did you have energy? Were you lethargic? Just very basic things that we should be doing when we eat. Not every single meal. And don't you know go with your friends and be crazy and have a, a fucking checklist. But like, if you want to really have an understanding of, of the power of food and what it's doing to you, just audit yourself once in a while and see um, and dig a little deeper to find out you know what foods agree with you, what foods don't agree with you. If you eat too much, if you eat too little, if you're hydrated, not hydrated, the very basic things. And when I'm touching on self-awareness, I mean who we are. And so knowing myself, this is me, uh, just by nature. I'm an overeater by nature. Um, I'm not a real social eater. I am not a real emotional eater. But I am an overeater by nature. And that's where I used to fuck up a lot. And I am very OCD. I have a very addictive personality, probably one of the worst uh, I've seen with people. Luckily for me, at this point, I've went through enough personal development stuff and talked to enough people. You know, you're talking twelve-step programs and people who who have battled addiction, fought addiction. It runs in my family. Um, seeing it from a young age, as obviously getting into adulthood as well, being able to harness that obsessive, you know, kind of addictive personality for good, i.e., fitness, i.e., this business, i.e., the podcast, and all the things that I'm you know, I, I guess, quote unquote, successful at or good at come from that, where in the past, that's where I would fail. And that's where I would give in. And it, for me, it was typically drinking alcohol, uh, you know, tobacco, drugs, you name it, I would just try to be the best at it, right? Like if I was gonna, you know, drink beer, I was gonna try to be the best beer drinker. Uh, and if you have a genetic gift to consume alcohol, like apparently I have, uh, it's a recipe for disaster. If I was gonna chew tobacco, I was gonna be the guy who chewed you know, the, the most, or I was the best at it. If that's even a, that's how my brain works. So like, I wanted to be the best. So like, I'm going to chew and I'm just going to gut it in class. Cause I'm a dipshit. Or like, if I'm going to smoke weed, I'm going to be the best weed smoker ever. Like it literally like that, that's the mentality of what I grew up with. And now I can harness it here. And I did the same thing with food. If I'm going to eat, man, I'm going to eat as much as humanly possible. And I'm not just going to eat one pizza. I'm going to eat two pizzas. And even when I was quote unquote, a fitness person, right? Like way back in the day, uh, when I would, work for like MRI and, and, and Pro Lab and I would travel around and you guys know like I'd be at the Arnold Expo, I'd be at the Olympia, some of you guys you know met me there and that's how you, you saw me come up and I would eat really well and we'd go to these and we'd have, you know, here's how it works like with the corporate companies, you do photo shoots and video shoots and you, you, you know, eat a certain way so you look a certain way, right? And I would do that and then the minute I fly back from like the Arnold, I'd be like, okay, Heather, let's go to Oregano's. And Oregano's is a pizza place here. It's actually amazing if you go. And uh, there's like, 10 of them across the valley. And I go and I'm like, I need two pizzas. I need like a thin crust uh, sausage and like a thin crust, you know, uh, barbecue chicken. And I would eat two whole pizzas by myself. That's not an exaggeration. Heather can vouch for me. Like I would eat two whole pizzas by myself and then be like, give me a pizookie. And the pizookie is like the hot skillet. It's actually like a uh, chocolate chip cookie dough skillet, uh, which is warm, like almost half baked with ice cream on the top. It's like crack cocaine. Uh, it's still fucking amazing to this day when I think about it. I actually want to go eat one right now. But I would do that and I would be so sick to my stomach, like, you know, bloated, disgusting, farting, you know, taking four shits the next day. Just an awful experience. I'd wait, I'd like go to sleep with like a, a pregnant belly. I still, you have like abs, right? Because you're, you're still lean, but it's like this bloated, pregnant ab belly I would have go to bed. And that was my personality type for a very long time, kind of like this eat perfect and then binge like complete shit for a day or two and then go back to eating really well. And that's just a really unhealthy relationship with food. That's an eating disorder, whether people want to admit that or not. A lot of people in fitness do that shit. Now when you guys see me, I live this way 24-7, 365. I eat really well basically every day. There might be one or two meals per week I eat that are not 
uh, probably the best. And that's how I do it. Some weeks it's one meal, some weeks it's two meals. It just depends. And I live this way every day and I feel so much better. I have such a better relationship with food. I'm so much healthier. I don't go on the crazy binges and eat all the the, the shit I used to. Even last night, again, uh, we went out to dinner with some really good friends, had an amazing time. Shane and Raul, thank you guys. Uh, I appreciate you more than you know. Um, you're just two unicorns, just amazing humans. But we went to this place called Ocean 44 here, which if you come, it's like a super upscale uh, steak and seafood place. And if that was my normal life five, ten years ago, and even beyond that, I would have went crazy and ate everything and been so sick and, and so bloated and so disgusting, but I kept it in check. And honestly, even there, everybody ate fish. I had a steak, actually. And a steak, Brussels sprouts, uh, some spinach, and I did have a beer. I had one beer, uh, which for me, five or six years ago, that's a minimum of 10 beers, if not closer to 15 and 20. And the reason I'm sharing that to you guys is because this is an evolution of who I am today. You're the same way. You can't expect to join any kind of fitness program or dieting protocol and be perfect right up the bat. You just can't. It takes a lot of practice. Like you train the physical body, like you do split squats to build up your quads and your your hamstrings and your glutes, or you're doing bicep curls and pull-ups to build up your, your biceps and you want to be stronger. It's a mental strength you have to build with this. And it's learning who you are and what situations you should and shouldn't put yourself in. Now I can go to social settings and not eat and not drink. I don't have to. And now, this is the first time in my life, I'm 36 years old, I can have a beer. And yeah, there's still that little part of me that wants to have like 20 fucking beers because I remember how it would feel. Not the headbutting the walls and peeing my pants part, but like the, uh, the extreme buzz of it and just kind of, you know, getting lost in it a little bit. You kind of miss that sometimes. I think as if you're addicted to anything, that's how you are. But now... I can do it in moderation where it's taken me the, the better part of my fitness career to get there. And you have to ask yourself the same questions and put yourself in a position to be successful. And which ties into my next point, the social and eating drinking pressure a lot of you guys do feel. Now, I don't feel that. I don't need to do it. My wife is much more social than me and she kind of gets wrapped up in the in the moment. So we're out last night and she's, you know, deeper into the the champagne and the wine, because I'm not, a, I don't drink champagne or wine, uh, but she'll, she'll let it flow. And she kind of goes with the flow of the room where I'm, I don't give away control anymore uh, to drugs or alcohol. I just don't. I'm very, I keep everything in check. And I know people think like, oh, Jeremy, live a little. Trust me. You don't want to see this 220 pound gorilla doing the dumb shit I used to do when I was, you know, 17, 18, 19, 21, 22, and so on. So, I have a level of self-discipline and control, but it's taken me many years to harness that where my wife will be a little bit more social and she's, you know, quote unquote, way more fun at a party than I am. But that culture for a lot of you is probably the toughest obstacle when it comes to dieting, especially. When you start like a, a protocol, again, you're going to do something different. You're changing a culture instead of, a, you know, one's not established. There, excuse me, there is one established, but you're trying to change it. So you're used to be the person who drank and ate this way. Now you're doing something different. The people around you are either going to do one of two things, really support you and really back you and really understand, or they're going to talk mad shit about you and be food and drink pushers. And that's just part of the game. And like, like most things in life, when you start something new, whether it be a business or a job or you're dating a new girl, for example, you got uh, the friends that are in your corner and the friends that are not in your corner. And for you out there, the only advice I can give to you is you have to ignore the negative shit and focus on yourself. And like we always say, you got to put your mask on first. And you can't always give in to the social pressure and the friends and the family stuff because there's way too much of it. If you're not a complete asshole, you're not a complete mutant kind of Dexter like I would be if I wasn't married to my wife, um, there's going to be so many opportunities for you to have food and have drink and do things. And you can't always say yes. You just can't. Like you have to, and if you do socially, do a lot of things, you have to suffer in silence at your house. You can't just give in on a Tuesday night because you know you got social stuff coming up on Friday and Saturday. And so you just can't always say yes to everybody. And you have to know that about yourself. And for a lot of you, you don't have to explain your actions to anyone. It's your life. It's your body. And... If they have a problem with the way that you eat, it's their fucking problem. It's not yours. You're doing something for you, especially if you're, again, especially if you're putting in the work. Like, 
to me, it would always baffle me where you're hanging out with friends. And there's no nothing wrong with your, your friends who don't work out and are not into fitness, even though I think their life would be much healthier and happier if they did some form of exercise. But you're riding a salt bike. That stuff sucks. You're pushing a sled. It is miserable. I did split squats last night before I went to dinner. They're the worst. Like if you're split squats are the worst, either high volume, low volume, heavy. I don't care. It is painful. You can't breathe. You're sweating. You're making weird noises. It's just terrible. You're going to do all that shit and then go stone into dinner and eat and drink all the same shit that everybody else is doing. You can't. You're throwing away all that sweat equity you invested here in the gym. You're just punting the results. And for what? To fit in? So people don't bother you and harass you? I promise you, even if they do up front over time, they're going to gravitate towards you. I've talked about this many times before. But the takeaway, if you want to be healthy, man, you got to surround yourself with healthy people. If you want to be smart, surround yourself with smart people. You want to be rich, surround yourself with rich people. It's really not that complex. The people that are closest to you on a day-in, day-out basis are going to, for most of you, unless you're like me and, and you don't let the outside world really infiltrate you, it's going to highly influence and highly impact and highly affect you know, the way you live your life and the results that you're going to see with what you're doing. Uh, and even with me, uh, I say that, but now I've created an ecosystem where I can kind of do and go where I please. And, and I do have friends who are not healthy and friends who don't exercise and friends who are still, you know, heavy into uh, recreational drugs and, and booze and those things. And I love them to death. They're, they're great people. We just can't hang out every Friday and Saturday night because our goals don't align and that's okay. But by surrounding yourself with healthy people who have the same kind of mindset and have the same goals. They're going to become a source of support for sure, accountability, uh, motivation, and, and oftentimes even inspiration. And they're not going to make you feel like you're making a bad choice. They're not going to make you feel like you're an outcast. And again, many times before I've said this and I'll say it again, and it's powerful. So you have to hear me when I say it, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Meaning, you can't change Aunt Cindy because she sucks and she's a hater. Uh, but you can change her for Uncle Rico because Uncle Rico's super cool and Uncle Rico supports you and he can throw a football over the mountains. And if Coach would have put him in, he would have won state. That's a Napoleon uh, Dynamite reference for all of you guys who have never seen that movie. And if you haven't, you've had a terrible life so far. Uh, I, I joke, all, all things aside, like, you, if Aunt, you know, Susie sucks... You got to replace her with your uncle, Rico, who's amazing and is going to support you. You just, you can't change other people. You can't. If they're going to change, they're going to change. There's nothing you can do for them, but you can insert a different person into your circle that's going to support you and have your back. Next one, why some of these diets don't work. A lot of them, when people get into them, they're, they're too restrictive, right? And when it's too restrictive, you have a lack of certain macronutrients for sure and a lack of micronutrients. And when I say mic macros, proteins, carbs, fats, if you guys don't know, micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, that's what we're talking about. So these extreme diets, again, I've tried a lot of different things. I, probably everything that's out there I've tried other than like fruitarian or being a vegan and shit like that. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, I know it's not going to work for my personality type and I have no desire to do that. And there's nobody who can Scream at me the other way, you know, and say, Jeremy, you're such a horrible person. Dude, if I eat vegetables and, and wild-caught salmon, like, if that's what's going to kill me and I'm a horrible person, then um, so be it. But for most of the extreme diets and protocols, I, I've given them a try. And there's a lot of good and, and a lot of, you know, holes in, in each of them. But if your goal is to gain muscle, eat a caloric surplus. If your goal is for fat loss, eat in a deficit. But when it's too extreme and you're cutting out so many foods, whether it's just you know, food groups, whether it's macros or, or micros, or it's no carbs or no dairy or no grains or no water or no air, whatever crazy ass shit they come up with next, your body is typically lacking something and it's craving it. And sometimes your brain sends this, I guess like a signal, right? Um, to the body and saying, Hey, I'm hungry, you know, idiot, uh, feed me this, the stuff that I need. So it signals it needs these certain amount of, you know, nutrients or, or vitamins and, and minerals or a certain, you know, macro group that it, it, it's craving. And sometimes you have to fight some of that. And sometimes it's just, you know, thirst and hunger, the confusion. But for the most part, when you're 
I guess, undernourished, if you will, the brain is pretty powerful and it understands that it's it's missing stuff and the body starts to know and that shows up in your blood work and how you look and how you move and how you feel. And so I think when you cut out entire food groups and then I guess entire macros and micros, and if you're not, again, for most of you, if you're not eating real food, and that's always the key here. Uh, when, I, when I say real food, I just, I mean whole nutrient dense food that runs, it swims, it flies, you know, it grows from the earth, the basic stuff. You're likely probably filling the gaps and you're eating with like, you know, bars and bag stuff and a bunch of processed shit that's lacking the vitamins and minerals that you need, which there's nothing wrong with things in a bag or a box, but they can't be the hub of what you're doing. Uh, real food is always going to be the key. And even for me, I, the way that I eat once or twice a day, I can't eat, you know, six to 10 servings of fruits and veggies a day. Let me rephrase that. I can, but it'd be a lot at one time. And if I ate six cups of greens, my wife would probably never have sex with me because I would smell like a fart machine every day. So, and again, even that with fruit, I love fruit. I can't eat six to 10 servings of fruit per day. That's going to be in excess of 100 grams of sugar. It's not going to be good for me. I'm not going to look and move and feel the way that I want to. And I just, I can't space it out enough with the way that I eat. So, i.e. I take an athletic greens, that helps me get the micronutrients I might be missing if I can't eat everything else. But I'm always still focusing on real food. Is there a protein? Is there a greens? Is there some healthy fats? And if there's like grains or something else, what is it there for? Why do I need it? And is it going to give me energy for the next, you know, whatever event I'm doing? So again, that's why I do throw athletic greens in. Again, side note, if you guys want to pick them up, shoot me a message, 20 free travel packs on me, I'll give to you with order one. It's one supplement I take every single day. Uh, it, it does, it has made a huge difference for me. I, I do feel better uh, taking it and uh, it helps me cover the gaps that I'm personally missing with some of the stuff that I eat. But I think that's a, a huge reason why a lot of these diets, you know, protocols fail because people are, you know, lacking or it's too restrictive in terms of macros and micros across the board. The other reason people fail on dieting protocols is. The overeating, for sure, becomes, uh, and this, again, this ties back into being too restrictive, in my opinion. Uh, whether it's, you know, you're going too hard too soon, whether you're starving yourself, then binging, starving yourself, then binging. It's this roller coaster of shit. Now, again, there is a time for like, you know, feast and fast, which works for me sometimes, where if I go tonight uh, and, you know, get a burger and fries and, and maybe there's this place down the street called Crumble Cookies. I've had it once. These giant ass cookies. I just built, opened up a new one on my route home. I see it every day. It's like calling my name. You know, it's like almost like I can smell it. By the way, there's a place right on the street from my, my business here. And like they make toast. Like I think it's called Sugar Jam. They make toast all the time. And I open up the fucking doors here at like 10 o'clock and just smell this toast. Um, it just reminds me of like having cinnamon sugar toast as a kid where you put butter on this white bread and cinnamon and just sugar. I, that's the shit we see for breakfast. How, how ridiculous. God, our parents. God, Janet, what were you doing to me? Um, tasted great, though. Anyways, there's this place on the street, like uh, Crumble Cookies, and there's these giant-ass cookies, and they're actually amazing. You know sometimes when you see, like, big servings of food, you think, ah, it's going to be big, it's probably going to, you know, not be good. They're actually really good, and they're highly addictive, and so I might stop and get one or two or three. Maybe one or two. Maybe four. Who knows? Anyways... The point being is if I do like a feast and fast, so if I have burgers, fries, and some cookies after a hard-ass workout and a day of fasting, I do what I call like a feast and fast. So if I do overeat or indulge or have some food where it's not you know in my macros or not really healthy for me, I'll fast basically the entire next day. Just I'll get up, I'll drink coffee, water the entire day, I'll have a great Sunday advanced Metcon here, and then kind of go back to my normal eating. That's like a feast and fast. That's me controlling it though. That's not me starving myself to binge and eat shit, starving myself to binge and eat shit. That's me just kind of planning out what works for me and my lifestyle. But for everyone, you know, obviously you have to know who you are. So the overeating thing and the binging and starving and the roller coaster stuff, the yo-yo shit, is a huge reason people don't stick to dieting protocols because they're going too hard too soon. And again, that comes down to you. Like fasting obviously isn't for everybody. You have to know if you're a person who can go hours without eating or a person who can't. If you're a man or a woman, there's a difference. Some women, not recommended. And the way that women do it and men do it, not exactly the same. And you have to know what are your triggers. You know, can I identify, you know, what 
is the thing that I, I trip up on, you know, and, and where the, the fault is, and especially for you guys who are going to go out and have, you know, some cake with your husband or wife or go out and get ice cream or go and do something. Are you a person who has this like eater's remorse or drinker's remorse where you go out and do it and then you, you know, hate yourself for the next three days because of it? You have to know that about yourself. And I think a lot of the diets, because they're too restrictive and because it kind of perpetuates this starving and binging into overeating protocols, that's where a lot of people go wrong. And that you just have to know yourself and if this is going to fit you for who you are, regardless if it worked for your friend or a family member or your coworker, it's the, you know, the hottest thing that's talked about on the news today, it might not be for you. The other thing uh, the novice people struggle with for sure is they think that quote unquote healthy food doesn't taste good. Or they think, you know, quote unquote dieting food is not, you know, tasty and, and it, it's not going to satisfy you, if you will. Basically, what you're saying is you just haven't found foods that you like just yet, or you haven't found a way that they're prepared in a way that you like them just yet. Maybe you're limited in your cooking skills. Like last night we went out. It's steak, it's fish, it's vegetables. Amazing. And as I'm eating the Brussels sprouts, I'm like, man, I honestly, I think the Brussels sprouts we make at our house taste really good. They don't taste like that, though. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you go somewhere and you're like, man, you know, the steaks I make at home are good. They don't taste like the steaks here. It's it's kind of that thing. You have to acquire a set of skills in terms of cooking and seasoning. And really, honestly, at this point, when people say that, I'm like, you guys are so full of shit. Like, you, you haven't found healthy food that tastes good. Like, you can only survive on pizza and cinnamon rolls, albeit those things are great. But you have the internet. Like, there's so many resources available for you to learn how to cook and prepare food and prep it. And even that, if you're a complete lazy ass, there's so many quick options. Unless you live in like, you know, rural Minnesota or like nowhere Nebraska, like you probably have a quick healthy options. And even when if you live there, the way that they ship stuff now, frozen to your front door, like, dude, like spend a little bit of money, give an effort to be healthier. Those are quick options. And, and again, you might pay a little bit more to be healthy and not die, but isn't that worth it, right? Like, there's no reason at this point you can't figure out a solution to find things that you like to eat, or at least a handful of healthy meals with all the stuff that we put out, or like Kevin Curry, Fitman Cook. Kevin puts out his stuff super elaborate. My stuff's pretty bro and pretty basic, but it's healthy and it works for us because we're two busy professionals and we don't want to sit and cook for eight hours. It's not, you know, it's not therapeutic to us. We don't love doing it, but. We get it done, and you have almost endless options at this point, so there really is no excuse, but again, that's a huge reason why people kind of punt it, like, I don't like to eat this kind of food. You just haven't found the right stuff yet and the right way to season it and cook it and prepare it to eat it so you do enjoy it, and I'll say this, is eating healthy expensive? For sure, Um you don't always have to go to Whole Foods either, like, it, Whole Foods is super expensive. They, may, they have great stuff. But it is expensive. There's so many normal grocery store chains now that are getting into the organic stuff and they're driving the price down and they're giving it to you in a more sustainable way. Uh, depending on if it's the meat or the produce, you guys know what I'm talking about. And there, there's a stuff across the board. I've said this before and I'll say it until I'm dead. If I was you and you're on a budget and you're not a high earner and you have a lot of other bills, I would look in a way to down grade your lifestyle in terms of that to buy healthier food. I personally would live in a smaller house, drive a shittier car, wear clothes a little bit longer, give up some of those materialistic things to put healthier food in my body. My wife and I have we're on a crazy budget, super tight the last basically two years, give or take. Uh, the last 14, 15 months for sure. And the one thing that we really didn't argue a ton about was the food quality. Now we might have said, hey, you only got 75 bucks to spend here and these are the essentials we need and you might have to maybe not pick that up, but I'm never going to buy farm-raised fish. I just won't fucking do it. I don't care. I'm never going to buy, you know, crappy produce. I just won't do it. I'm not going to cut corners with the food that I put in my body. Obviously, I'm a fittest person, so I'm going to say that, but it's my belief. Because I know how I feel and I know how I look and I know how I move and I know if I put shit in my body that's not ideal, I'm not going to get ideal results out of it. And not just in terms of how I look, fuck that stuff. How I think, how I feel, how you know much energy I have to operate my business and live my life and interact with people. So I would urge you guys, drive a shittier car, wear your clothes a little bit longer, 
downsize your house, to fill your body with healthy things. And the crazy thing is if you do that long enough, you'll get all the material shit that you want. Just a side note. The next reason a lot of dieting stuff fails, I'm almost done here, you guys, is a lot of people try to do it and they're not like legit fitness people. Now, a lot of you listening to this are fitness people. The the fitness part of it, you probably have figured out, but some of you don't. If you're not on a legit fitness and exercise program, you're going to struggle with the food stuff. BJ Ganuri, I've talked about this all the time. A lot of people will say, you know, abs are made in the kitchen and it's all about the food you eat. It's partially true, but you got to be active, man. Exercise cures a lot of things. It's a great stress reliever. It releases, obviously, endorphins in the body. It allows you to get away with more shit. So if you don't eat ideal, it is going to cover some of the gaps. And it allows you to just build a body that's strong and functional and can move through space. And so I do think a fitness and exercise is a huge part of you eating right. Has anybody ever tried to like diet super hard without exercising? I don't think it I don't think it's conducive to being successful, put it that way. I do think, you know, the way that you eat plays a pivotal role in, you know, fat loss and, and weight loss and muscle gain for sure. But when you marry a legit fitness program with the way that you eat, you're gonna look and move and feel the way that you want. You're gonna be able to build muscle quicker, you'll be able to recover obviously faster in life. You're going to build bone density. Uh, and again, everything is just going to be easier if you do them both the best of your ability. That's it. Like people say, oh, it's 80% this and 20% that. No, no, it's 100% of both. That's it. Like, yeah, there's more people who exercise hard and eat like shit than vice versa, but you have to exercise. Fitness is crucial. You have to move your body. You have to do mobility. You have to push your aerobic threshold once in a while, both with you know higher intensity stuff and lower intensity stuff. You have to push some load. And when I say loading, I mean just some form of strength training, whether it be just body weight stuff to start, then sandbags, kettlebells, sandbells, pushing sleds, really basic stuff. You don't got to be world's strongest man and you know kill your joints and hurt yourself, but Exercising and pushing your limits creates a legit environment, um, like a hormonal imbalance or a hormonal atmosphere for your body to build muscle, for your body to shed fat. And your hormones are going to work better if you're training, if you're squatting, uh, if you're doing push-ups, if you're overhead pressing, if you're deadlifting, if you're doing the things that are going to increase testosterone and your growth hormone and keeping your thyroid in check and doing all the things that you need to do to get optimal results. I, I think trying to eat really well and being on a really crappy training program, you're going to have incomplete results or if nothing else, you're not going to reach your full potential. So I do think they both matter. And the people who just want to you know, eat really well and never exercise and train, I think they'll get away with it for a little while, but over time, like you're going to pay the price for it because you're going to be this weak, you know, less mobile human than you could have been if you just, again, built a foundation early on. Last two here, measuring progress for a lot of people. And most people do it completely wrong. And that's a huge reason why they quit diets and they quit eating protocols and they give up way too early, way too soon. Some people, A, measure their progress wrong and some people fail to really track or measure their progress at all. And that's discouraging and that's why a lot of people punt things. So when I say track progress, A, I, I'm a, we're believers in you know tracking macros. Do you have to do it every day? No. Do you have to do it the rest of your life? No. But if you're starting out and you want to get from point A to point B, I think it's important. I think for a lot of people, it's probably something they're they're going to do for many years. And, and some people don't have to. Again, it goes on personality tests. But if you're failing to see results... I would track it and look at the statistics and look at what you're doing over time and, and look at the gaps and, and look at where you're, you know, not making progress and look at the things that are holding you back. And sometimes it's an eye opener to see how many proteins, carbs, fats, how much fiber, how much sodium, how much sugar is coming into your body, just so you're aware. Most people, though, when they get on a diet, what do they do? What's the number one thing that they use to track progress? The scale. We already have a podcast called The Scale sucks or the scale is worthless or the scale is stupid. I don't know. Insert whatever term I use when I 
did that years ago. But I do think the scale sucks. The scale measures one metric and one metric alone, just weight. That's it. Not body fat, not muscle, not attitude, not confidence, not effort, not energy, not how you look, not how you move, not how you feel. It just measures whatever the weight is on the scale. So if I grab a 100-pound dumbbell, it says 100 pounds. That's it. If I step on it, it says 214, and you know your brother Jerry steps on it and he weighs 214, odds are we don't look the same, move the same, and feel the same. He might be 10 times better than me, or he might be 10 times worse than me. But it only measures the mass of you. If you guys are tracking progress, one, how do you feel? That's the most important. Two, if you want to go how you look, I think that's great. How strong are you? How much endurance do you have? What is your body fat? I think that's cool. Again, auditing yourself with like a food journal or like a feelings journal. I feel good when I do this. I feel like shit when I do that. Just really having a, a body awareness, I think, is key. And that's why, again, why we use my fitness pal to understand macros. And again, if you do it for six months, you probably don't have to do it for 60 years. But if you're an emotional eater and, and it's a... Uh, it's like a support mechanism or you're somebody who likes to track it. Maybe you do. It's just like some people check the stock market once a year. Some people check it every single day. It's whatever works for you. As long as it doesn't send you into a panic and it helps you and doesn't hinder you, I think you're okay. The one thing we do have our people do for extreme uh, fat loss stuff or just progress is take pictures. If you want to take a picture every single day, take a picture every week, every month, whatever works for you. I do think that that does paint a picture when you get discouraged and you want to give up and quit. And you can look back and say, well, I didn't really make progress. And then you go, oh, shit, I used to have these four rolls on my back and now I don't anymore. Oh, I used to look like this and have these love handles and now they're gone. Those things are huge and they can literally take you from a, a shitty day to a good day. Because obviously, if, if you step on the scale and you get completely discouraged, uh, it's going to make you not want to keep going. And you can't be, I'll put it this way, you can't give your power away to an arbitrary number on the scale. It just, it just doesn't. It, that's a, a defeatist, loser, shit kind of victim mentality when you do that. And uh, I, I'm just not a fan of it. I don't, I don't think any number, anything that you, I'll put it this way, when you have a great day, like you tried really hard, you ate well, and then you stepped on the scale four days in a row and it said the same number or even went up a pound. And now you feel like shit about all your effort and the energy and the time you put into it. That's a stupid thing. Because you thought it should say one number and it said something different. And now you're going to beat yourself up over it. It's just ridiculous. And again, nobody cares what you weigh. I sure as shit don't. And nobody can tell anyway. But if you carry yourself with more confidence and you feel better and you know you've been giving an honest effort and you're moving in the right direction... That is a great measure of progress. And if you have the pictures from a month ago, two months ago, three months ago, I'm pretty sure that's going to show the hard work much more than just an arbitrary number that shows up on a digital screen. And the last one, man, I'm getting tired. Bro, I'm getting old these days. Stay out too late. Anything after probably about 8 o'clock or 8.30 is super late for me at this point. But I digress. The last takeaway today is... The reason people struggle with the diets is they're not patient. And this goes for most things in fitness and in life. People just aren't patient. They, they want, you know, microwave results in a crockpot world. And it just doesn't work that way. You know, easy come, easy go is the saying. And if you want great things in life, you're going to probably have to give great effort and probably have to give it a certain amount of time. And you can want it quick and you can have a sense of urgency and work super hard, but be patient. And you have to understand fat loss specifically is easy once you realize how hard it is, right? Like fat loss is easy once you realize how hard it is. Building muscle is easy once you realize how hard it is. You know, having a great body is easy once you realize it's not easy at all. All that shit's super hard. It's really hard to be fit, man. Like, it is. Anybody who's in decent shape, utmost respect for me. Because I know the effort you put in to do it. I know showing up to the gym at 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning, 6 o'clock at night, squeezing in workouts on vacation, as you travel, prepping your food, giving up drinks, delaying gratification, making the better choice more often than not is fucking tough to do because almost nobody does it. That's why most of America is not healthy and, and not super fit. And the obesity rate is climbing like crazy. The same reason people are in debt up their ass. Because they want to be too fancy too soon. They can't delay gratification. They can't be patient. They want to have a car before they can afford it. 
They want to finance their up their ass to have their quote-unquote dream home or to look fancy with their clothes and they just charge it. They don't save money and they don't do it the right way. It's the same thing with fitness. It's a slow process, but if you do it slow and you do it the right way, you don't ever have to give it back. You didn't just charge it. You didn't just finance it. It's not all going to come crashing down in an instant. It's not all going to go away as quick as you got it. It's a slow process. Fat loss is slow. Gaining muscle is even slower. But it's the legit true fat loss, true weight loss, the true muscle gain that you did with sustainable lifestyle over time that you own and you never have to give it back. Like, I don't have to give this body away. It's mine. I own it. Now, if I go eat like shit and drink like shit and go crazy for three months, yeah, it's going to not look the same. But it didn't come to me super easy. And that's the beauty of it. I died for it. And I continue to die for it day after day after day. I eat really well to feel good. I train as hard as I can train within a safe context. And the byproduct is I look and move and feel this way. And because it was so fucking hard to do up front, and because of all the effort I put in, I don't want to just give it away. Because it took so long to acquire it, I'm not willing to give it away just for some food and some drinks. That's it. For all of you guys listening out there, the scale is going to move slow. You're going to build muscle slow. Your dress and pant size isn't going to go as fast as you want. But that's okay. If you're eating right, if you're training hard, if you focus on the things that are going to take you from point A to point B, it's going to happen. Not as quick as you want, but I promise you it will. If it took you... 5, 10, 15 years to put on this shit weight to think you can erase it in 5, 10, 15 days is crazy. You can't expect to drop all that weight, all that body fat or build all that muscle instantly. But if you understand if I lose half a pound to a pound a week for 52 weeks, that's 25 to 50 pounds in a year. Respect. If you could gain, you know, two, three pounds of muscle in a year, that's amazing. If you drop two or three pant sizes, if you increased your you know, deadlift or your squat if you're into that, or if you cut down in your 2K time or you have a faster 5K or you're able to finish a half marathon or a marathon or whatever the goal is, respect to you. But you're not going to, you know, shave off, you know, an hour off your marathon time in a month. You're going to have to just be diligent and put the time in to get there. It's the same thing with the food. It's the same thing with the training. It's the same thing with your finances and your relationship and your career and fucking everything in life, dude. It really is. Almost everything in life is easy once you realize it probably isn't. And understand, if you go into that with that mindset of, hey, this is a lifestyle thing for me, I'm not overly concerned about the results I get in 15 seconds, I think you'll be successful. So that's probably the biggest reasons we see diets fail and see people not you know, make it the long haul. It's just there's a handful of things that are holding them back. And if you're listening to me, and you find yourself guilty of those or you've been guilty of those in the past, just jot these down, put them in a place where you can see them, and just really be diligent about what you're trying to do and understand it for the rest of your life. And it's going to be some trial and error. And you're not a failure unless you quit. You only really fail if you completely quit and give up. And I've said this before. We say it in a 47-day transformation program. I've said it on podcasts. People come and say, Jeremy, I've tried everything and nothing's ever worked. That's complete bullshit. You haven't tried anywhere near everything. You've tried three or four things. The, the super diligent people, you've tried six to ten things at best. And there were probably six to ten shitty things. And you did that over the course of 30 years. And then you had huge gaps in there where you completely punted it. The one thing you can't do is just quit. The one thing you can't do is not give a fuck about the food you put in your body. you got to care about what you eat. you got to care about what you drink and you got to be mindful of it. You do. It's what healthy people do. You can't just quit exercising. You can't just quit doing mobility. You can't not do something for two straight weeks. You just can't. If you got to take a couple days away from the gym, just go for walks or go for hikes or ride bikes, that's fine. But you got to be doing mobility. You got to be foam rolling. You got to be exercising. You have to be in a program and you got to be surrounded by people who do the same thing if you want to be successful. That's what I've seen here over the last 10, 15 years from people who, who have really done it. And I don't think you guys will be any different. So. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Just a real quick rant about why 
you know, diets don't work for the long haul and why I've seen them fail. And if you find yourself, you know, not being successful, see if you're guilty of any of those and make the change and make the switch. And if you approach it from a lifestyle standpoint, I think you guys will crush it. Won't happen overnight, but uh, if you're diligent and you're consistent over time and you keep just showing up and you're still in the ring throwing punches, you know, you're still in the fight. So anything else you guys want to hear on the podcast, shoot me a message, send it to me. I'm happy to record if I can speak on it with any intelligence whatsoever. And please, if you guys do appreciate what we do here, um, share this on Instagram in your stories, tag your friends, tag your family members, send it to them, click the link, shoot it to them in the email, turn people onto it. That's the biggest thank you you can give to me. Uh, I really would appreciate it. And not just because it selfishly helps us make money and it helps us build our brand and our business, but more so it really does help other people who feel like they're discouraged and they're lost and that they're like, they're going it solo. If you can resonate with me whatsoever, just know that I've been in your shoes and I've been in the same place and I've fucked up and I failed a lot and we're all there and we're all in this shit together. That's why I do this podcast. It's just as cathartic for me as it is for you to, for me to share as it is for you to listen. And, And I'm just trying to figure things out and I watch people around me who do it right and do it wrong. And I try to share that with all of you. So Share it with them and do the same because honestly, you know, it can be a game changer for a lot of people just to hear things from a different point of view. And if the, the crazy way that I say it helps them, then I'm happy to do that. And so on that note, if you're on iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Open up the podcast app on your iPhone. Scroll your finger all the way down. Hit that five star. Write me a review. Whatever you think, I'd happy to hear it. And if you're on your iPad or your MacBook, click the iTunes icon, hit ratings and reviews, five star, leave a comment. I truly would appreciate it. And a reminder, if you guys are on YouTube, uh, thank you for watching. And if not, our YouTube has over a thousand videos now, 100% for free when you subscribe. All the podcasts, all our Instagram stuff, a lot of the stuff we put in our programs, we pull out a couple of videos, throw them in there, nutrition, recipes, full Q&As, anything you guys want, we film it and we throw it on there. So just go to Google or just type in Jeremy Scott Fitness, YouTube on Google, hit subscribe, you get the updates and uh, all of its free content. So it's there for you. My thank you uh, to you guys for just being awesome humans. So uh, I will check in with you guys either tomorrow or later in the week. I need to go home, maybe grab some cookies in the way. We'll see if I'm feeling... Uh, you know, dangerous. So uh, until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.